You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt. And not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent, and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. My name is Dan Johnson. And today we're joined by co-host Bob Polanik. Bob, how we doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, Dan. A um, little hectic here. Getting back from uh, bow season and whatnot getting back to work but uh yeah can't complain doesn't it suck like it's the rut is over like all this everything we daydream about for the whole year is in a flash gone i mean it's over yeah so unless you can find uh you know a group of does or a doe that is missed being bred and she's coming back in again or you have some late season food or um you have a whole bunch of these things stacked to your advantage it can it can start getting tough man and, and i want to break down your entire rut vacation but we're going to do that on the nine finger chronicles podcast next week this week we are going to talk about hunting gear that you want for christmas and i think now is a, a really good time to start chatting about that and you know start putting the feelers out there to your significant other or your dad or or your brother or whatever and say hey i want uh if you're going to if you're going to get me a gift maybe you should think about this so 
And, and what really sucks is that all the stuff that I kind of want are starting to get expensive. So it's not like, hey, get me some tree hooks, which I'll take those as a stocking stuffer. But like all these other things, the more I get into hunting, the more expensive all my gear gets, I feel. Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I've done, you know, the past few years, I've my dad has asked me uh, what I want for Christmas, and I'll give him a few ideas, and he'll be like, okay, I'll get you one of those, but that's all you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so I think without, you know, no foreplay, really, let's get, let's get into it, man, and I'll just kick it off first. So I went out to South Dakota this year, and I did some tent and back of the truck camping, right? Slept in the back of my truck, slept in a tent, and... I need a warmer sleeping bag straight up. Uh, when it gets down to that 40, those 40s, I'm, I'm comfortable. I, I can start throwing my, my base layers on to stay warm, but my sleeping bag just is not cutting it for the below 40. And I think it's rated to like 32 or 35 or something like that. But when it got down to the, the 20s, uh, a couple nights, I was shivering pretty bad and I was wearing, you know, a lot of clothes and I was wearing a lot of, uh, you know, wearing, had my sleeping bag all the way pulled up. And, um, so I think I'm going to really start looking for sleeping bags and doing a lot of, I guess, research. I know there's a lot out there. Like I know first light has one probably won't, probably won't get that one, but, um, uh, Western mountaineering is a company that uh, is based out of California and they have some crazy, it's, they're expensive, but the guy I was talking to was telling me that some of their customers have sleeping bags that they still use that they purchased from the company 20 years ago. So, you know, if it's, it's a made in America product and it is, I guess, built to last. So I guess, I, you know, we've talked about this before, but I feel like I'm going to pay a little bit more money for a product that will last me potentially 20 years if I take care of it. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not synthetic. It would be down. It would be, I'm looking at a zero degree bag. So if it gets warmer, I can just unzip or throw a leg out. Or if it gets brutally cold, I can uh, be comfortable in that as well. But my first product that i'm looking for is a sleeping bag what uh remind me what sleeping bag you have um i i rock the kelty kelty uh sleeping bags and i'm a i'm definitely i used to be all synthetic because if it got wet retains heat yada 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 but i switched to like a 20 degree down bag i don't know three or four years ago and i've i've been sleeping in you know 30 degree weather uh every year with it and uh it, that's I love that sleeping bag. I think a big thing with down is that when you store it, you store it out of like the stuff sack. So mine, what if I'm not using mine? I'm, mine's hanging in the closet. That way, like all the down doesn't get compressed. Yeah. And uh, I've had that for three or four years, and it's still. I mean, besides the uh, <clears throat> the foot odor that just doesn't seem to come out of it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's still like new. How do you wash a down sleeping bag, by the way? Do you just throw it in cold water and then air air dry it? Couldn't tell you. I don't. <laughs> Is that, you haven't done it? You haven't washed it yet? <laughs> no. Spray it with scent killer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Hey, whatever works, I guess. Right. So, right. Um, 
so yeah, uh, definitely a sleeping bag. I don't know if I can, if there's a possibility of keeping my current sleeping bag, but then going into a quilt and throwing a quilt on top, or if maybe I can get a different pad that allows me to, because I think one of the reasons why I'm cold is I have an inflatable pad and that air is cold underneath there. And everybody that I talk to says that could be one of the reasons contributing for your coldness, you know, because a solid pad doesn't get cold. Like, you know, that air doesn't get cold and your body heat will potentially warm it up and and things like that. Now that's, I don't have enough experience in that realm to know whether or not that's the case, but, uh, I, I can assume it's true, you know? So do you, when you, when you're out, do you run a solid pad or inflatable pad? I've done both, and I have found that the inflatable pad is significantly warmer. It gets you up off the ground. I mean, they kind of say air is the best insulator um, out there. But so I've slept on just a foam pad, and the different. I mean, two things. One, the the difference in comfort. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely know what you're talking about when it comes to uh, comfort. I had a. I had a, what did I have? I had a, this is a roll-up pad I got from a buddy who, he, he was upgrading. And I ended up going and uh, get, you know, when I went on my last mule deer trip, I, per, you know, it was uh, one of those impulse buys at Cabela's. I ended up buying some $200 inflatable uh, sleeping pad and I slept a lot better on it. That's for sure. Yeah. The other thing you can look into, and this is a cheaper option, um, and this is it also makes your sleeping bag a little more versatile, but you can get the liners. Yeah, that's right. And you can get liners. I think they're only like forty to sixty bucks. And you know, some say like, you know, they might add five degrees of warmth, some add fifteen degrees of warmth. But um I uh in two thousand I'll never forget, two thousand seventeen in uh, Idaho, I was elk hunting and it snowed the whole time and the lows were down in the twenties. And uh I had a liner with a twenty degree synthetic bag and uh uh a foam pad and um the first night i slept i didn't use the liner and i froze i mean i'm talking wake up every 45 minutes shivering try to fall back to sleep fall back asleep wake back up a half hour later that type of thing and then the the following couple nights i used the liner and it was it it improved my sweet sleep quality and my warmth dramatically yeah so yeah well that's a cheap that's a cheap option yeah i'll have to look into that that option as well and that's going to be easier to wash than like your down sleeping bag. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, for so. sure. For sure. All right, Bob, first uh, Christmas gift you want to buy yourself in the hunting world, hunting category. It's probably going to be in the, the trail, trail camera world. Um, probably cellular. Okay. Um, I've been running a couple different cellular options and, uh, you know, like there's definitely a big craze right now for the reveal cell cams. Um, I, I have kind of a love hate with those. Um, they take really good pictures, but they don't send good pictures. Uh, it's sometimes it's hard to tell exactly what buck was in front of the camera. If it was, you know, more than 10 feet away, it's just a super pixelated picture. And with the reveals, as far as I know, there is no way to request a high definition photo. You can only get it if you go pop the card. Right. Yeah. And the, I mean, the 
the photos the photos that are on the SD card that you can check on your laptop or whatever, I mean, I think they're 24 megapixel and they are outstanding. Yeah. But as far as what's getting sent to your your phone and you're checking on the app, it's just not it's not that great. Now, the price point is is fantastic. They're like 100 bucks. Um, I think there's a issue with them actually like, you know, being available cause I know they're selling like crazy, Yeah. but I've got a few of those. And then, um, I've got a couple of the Exodus cameras and I, I definitely had some issues getting the Exodus, um, started up. I had some issues with like it, not liking some of the SD cards I was using. Um, but once I real, I mean, there's a, there's also a big difference, like the flash on the, the infrared flash on the reveal, even if you put it on the lowest setting, it's still so bright. I don't know about bright, but it's still it's so intrusive that deer are definitely noticing it. Really? I mean, oh yeah, definitely three or four times more than what those Exodus. Um, I'm not sure what the Exodus cell cam's called, but um, it's the render. The render, yeah. Right. I didn't. I when I bought those, I didn't realize those are essentially a no glow flash. Yeah. And I have. I mean. Any picture I have of mature bucks on my Exodus cameras, they're not looking at that camera at all. Yeah. And with that Exodus, you can request a high definition photo and you can get a better idea of, of what what specific buck is uh, in the area or in front of that camera. So yeah. the Exodus is a bit more expensive, but I I think it's a superior product for sure. And the setup, I, I have a couple... Uh... I had a I had a render stolen. I have a render that's not working right now, and I'm afraid it's actually been stolen as well. So I might be out two cell cams this year, this year, which I've already been so mad about the first one getting stolen that I just I don't know, man. I, I like I don't even want to talk about it because I'll start swearing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, do I'll, you go ahead? Do you use, do you use Python cable locks on your? Um, on, on your cameras, the first one I did not, but man, I'm just like, I've had guys cut down a tree before because it was Python locked to the, the tree it's, and they cut it down to get it off. They cut the tree down. So wow. it's just like, you know, the people who are going to steal your shit, they're going to steal your shit. I've had, I've yep. had them, I've had them, I've had them cable locked and they've cut the cable. I've had them, uh, cable locked and they've cut a tree down before so two two things you know there and so honestly i i I just try to hide them as well as i possibly can if they're going to be somewhat close to human exposure like you know someone might find them but uh yeah i mean the other one i'm not sure if it's cable locked out or not but it's in it's like it's it's in the middle of the timber like nobody should unless they accidentally run across it they shouldn't be there you know, they shouldn't they're probably not even supposed to be on the property that's why right so yeah i i you know bob i really do probably instead of a sleeping bag just need to get about 13 cable locks for all of my trail cameras my only issue is then my dumb ass forgets i i take a different vehicle down to my farm and all my keys are in my like my python lock keys are in my truck and now i can't move my trail my trail cameras <laughs> so. yeah I keep my keys with my uh, my SD cards. Yeah. So. So let me ask you this: um, Which camera of those that you just mentioned, the reveal or the the render, 
were easier to set up and get started for you? Oh, uh, the the reveal by far. But um, like I said, for whatever reason, I read a ton of reviews on the Exodus, on the renders, and a lot of people said those are simple to set up. I do like that on the render, if you're setting it up and you're, it's got a, it's got a LCD screen on it, so you. Yeah. As well, but it's on. So the, hang on a second. Hang on one second. Okay. We 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 went out there for a second. What? So what did you like about the ease of use? You know, you said something about the LCD screen, and then we lost you for a sec. Oh, sorry. Uh, that you can see exactly what it's going to take a picture of. Yeah. You can see exactly what it's going to be set up taking a photo of. Because, like, you know, you, most trail cameras that I set up, I have to always put a small little stick behind the top of them to make sure they're angled down enough. Yeah. Because it just seems like they're always, if you just strap them to a tree, it seems like they're always pointed just a little bit too high. Yeah. Um, so with that uh, render, you can just you can just have it strapped to the tree. And the way that it opens up, I mean, the 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 LCD the the picture I mean it's right there it's going to give you an idea of exactly what you're going to get photos of yeah so how much was the uh, how much was the reveal uh it's a hundred bucks but real quick on the reveal it's got a screen as well but it is on the part of the camera that opens up Ugh. so it will show you what it's going to take a photo of but you can't because it's on the the like the hinged part of the camera, the part that opens and closes, you can't exactly see exactly what's going to take a photo of. Now you can review your pictures if you want, but I personally never spend a bunch of time in front of my trail camera putting scent everywhere, flipping through, you know, a couple hundred photos on a little one-inch screen. I'd rather pop the card, throw it in my phone, and review it on my phone or something. Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah the reveals are, I think, about 100 they might be 120, and uh, I don't know. Those renders are, I don't know, they're like three, 300 bucks. Yeah, 335 is what I'm looking at on their website right now. Um, yeah. And the crazy thing about we've I think we talked about this a while ago, but as this technology starts to become cheaper and easier and all the setups and everything become easier, look for the price of uh, cell cams to really drop, but, also, but maintain the really good connect you know, the connective, because I mean, we're already getting into 5g, we're out of 4g already, and we're starting to get into 5g in some of these places. And that's only going to make transmitting pictures from a cell cam to your phone or email or whatever platform you're using easier and simpler and more cost effective. So yeah, you know, if you're a, a trail cam company, and you're not, you're, you're going to be late to the game if you're not making a cell cam. And a lot of these other companies are you know, I think I think the market for cell cams is really getting competitive by by now. Yeah, yeah, and then the other thing that's nice with the reveal is like if you don't want to use it as a cell cam, you can just use it as a regular trail camera, yep. and it takes it takes fantastic photos. But again, it only takes fantastic photos that get loaded to the SD card. There's no way to get those. It's it's only like this shitty pixelated picture yeah. that gets sent to you. I don't know if you can tell the frustration. Yeah. But, oh, been there, dude. And, that's, and it's the same way with the Exodus or I think any trail camera. You'll, you're losing quality if you transmit the, you know, the really high res image. If you want to 
you know, transfer the really high, um, high res image, you're going to be using a lot of data to make that, that image go through. And so I'm kind of in, I'm kind of in between because I only need to identify what deer walks in front of that cell cam in order for me to make a decision. I don't need no 4k high res, beautiful, gorgeous image that looked like it was taken with a DLSR. All I want is the picture to show enough character where I can identify that deer and say, okay, he's here. And that's for me, that's the only reason I'm using trail cameras anyway. So, so yeah, there's that. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of my next, uh, my next option as far as, uh, um, what I want for Christmas. And I think the next product that I'm looking for is going to be a pair of boots. Now I am three. I'm, I don't know if I'm three seasons or four seasons into my crispies that I have, but I'll tell you this. I, I, I love the crispy Thors that I currently have. And I honestly think that my next pair of boots is my as far as west you know western hunting hell i i used them almost this entire whitetail season because it was a little bit warm there was a couple evenings in there that i threw my arctic shield boot covers on but crispy thors i think i'm just going to get the exact same pair of boots that uh i i had man that and that's what i want as far as boots are concerned gotcha i um I hear you on the crispy front or just the hunting boot front as well. I tried to get some different ones this year. I mean, they were, they were decent, but I didn't like them for actually, um, doing a lot of hunt, you know, putting eight, 10 miles on in a day. Those were the, uh, lacrosse, uh, Load Load stars. stars. Yeah. Yeah. They ended up not being that great. They ended up being very nice for tree stand hunting. They were more comfortable to stand in than they were to hike in. Yeah. Um, but, as far as something that I'll definitely be asking for for Christmas is those, those, uh, boot covers, my, uh, the Arctic shields, my buddy. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. My buddy in Iowa ran those the whole time. And I was, uh, rotating between two pairs of knee highs cause I was sweating them out every day. Yeah. And, and, uh, it just, yeah, he just was like, dude, he's like, I hike in way like much more lightweight. And then he's like, I just, once I get up in the tree stand, I just slip those babies on. He's like, my feet are toasty warm. Yeah. Man, I honestly think the days of the rubber boot for me are gone unless I know I have to cross some kind of a creek or a waterway or it's really, really wet. But at that, at the same time, I have a pair of gaiters I can put on too. And then I, I can throw the Arctic shields over the boots and I can rinse them out and wash them or whatever I need to do if they get dirty on the inside. So like for me, I don't see like, I don't see a world where my, and I hate to say this because it's a great company and a great boot and a great product, but rubber boots hold moisture. And when that moisture gets cold, that is what is killing your feet. That's what's making your feet cold. And I don't care how many pairs of socks you have on when your feet are surrounded by frozen rubber basically in cold air it it, your feet are going to get cold i don't i don't care how much there's got to be some breathability there and i don't i don't think people are getting that with rubber boots man no i totally agree i totally agree yeah i mean the best way i've found to 
you know, combat that moisture is to have two different pairs of knee highs and, and honestly, a, a, a lot of use with a boot dryer. Yeah. So, but it still doesn't, it does, still doesn't fix that problem. If you got a mile walk in and you got 800 gram knee high boots on, yeah, I right. mean, you're going to sweat those things out. Well, and at the same so. time, they're just not, they're not built for long hikes. They are, right. they're built for, you know, basically standing in water or walking through water. Not like, I, yeah. I don't even, I don't even wear my rubber boots when I go shed hunting in the snow anymore. I, it's just, they just kind of sit in my garage and I bring them with me just in case I, just in case I need them to cross a creek or, or, or drag a deer out of the mud or something like that. It's just, I don't know. Uh, and, and going forward, it's kind of made my decision to look for a, a boot like that crispy Thor because it's, it's for me, it serves both purposes, knowing that I'm able to pack in a pair of the Arctic shield boot covers on it. So right. it's a win-win man for me, for me anyway, those, those boot covers. And I, and I'll, I'll, if, if I could buy, <coughs> excuse me, if I could buy a Christmas present for everybody who's listening right now, it would be a pair of the Arctic shield because man hunting when you're 100% comfortable and your, your, I don't know, your, your feet aren't cold is one of those things, man, that it just changes your mood. You're able to stay out there longer. You're able to do a whole bunch of different, you know, like focus less on your feet and more on your, uh, you know, more on the hunt. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this, I'm going to wear the same socks and the same boots when I go out to South Dakota this year. Um, I'm going back to South Dakota in December and I'm bringing my Arctic shields with me and I'm going to throw them on while I'm glassing. And I think, right. I think that's going to be, you know, then just take them off. Like I take off all my insulation layers while I'm out there, you know? So it's just like, it, it's just one more thing that I got to do, but it's not, it's not adding necessarily any weight to my feet. If that makes sense. Right. And I was just going to say, those are, those are fairly light. Yeah. Um, I mean, they might, might be a little bulky. I don't know how good they compress, but um, they're fairly light to attach to your backpack or whatever. Oh yeah. It comes with a couple so clips I, so you can clip them together and then yeah. you can strap them to the backpack or you can stuff them down in. That's what I did. Stuff them down in. So they were in the bottom of my pack. So as I start to layer up in the tree stand, they're the last, they're the last thing that I put on, you know? So, all right, let's see. I said boots. What's the next item on your Christmas list, man? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, potentially a uh, full-size uh, uh, target, like uh, what, the Glendale, like full rut, something like that. Yeah. Um, I do not have, have like a full-size target like that. And uh, just because it's what, I don't know, like 200 bucks or something like that. They're yeah. pretty expensive. And I, I don't know that the Reinhardts are, the Reinhardts are probably more expensive um, but they're probably more durable. Yes. I have not. I have no yes. no experience with either of them. I have experience with both those brands, and my and I I, I don't want to. You know, I, I try to stay away from bashing brands or products on this. You know, I just kind of give my opinion. But I had such a bad experience with the Glendale uh, Buck that I will I will never buy that Target again. 
And, you know, some people, some people probably have good experiences with that, but I, what was your, what was your bad experience? My bad experience is I would, I set it up like it was supposed to be set up. I eventually had to screw, take these long ass deck screws and screw it through the plastic legs into the body of the deer because, you know, I'm shooting a four, 450 grain arrow at 20 yards or 30 yards and even further back is when it started getting, you know, that momentum starts to gain and it just, it, you're throwing a hammer basically down range. And I was having, after every arrow, it was falling apart or getting loose. And then after two arrows, it would just fall apart. So eventually I had to take screws into, into this deer and the, the target itself kind of just deteriorated, deteriorated really quickly. And it was, in the course of three months that it was in the trash in, in Oh wow. Yeah. So no doubt that much it was in oh. that much that it took that long. So I got a couple Reinhardt's and the bag target. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend getting a bag target. If you're, if you could get those foam targets and they take a beating dude, I got two deer up in my backyard for, so for two straight years, I've had them in the same place. I didn't take them in uh, through the winter time. I did, you know, I leave. I just left them out because I don't know. I, I think you're supposed to take them in during the winter time. Oh, yeah. yep. But I, I leave them out. Uh, one guy actually told me he takes liquid um, uh, shit spray, like waterproofing stuff that you can spray on your jackets, and he sprays the tops and sides of his uh, Reinhardts with this, and it, they last forever. Now I didn't do that. But two years fully exposed, um, I have a square target and I have a, um, have a square target and I have two full size, they're, I think they're called the Booner Bucks and they work really well. Like ease of, you know, I can take the arrows out really easy. I can, uh, they're broadhead and field point. And this sounds, this almost sounds like a commercial for Reinhardt, but I like to talk about products that work good. And, you know, they do what they're supposed to do. And, man, if don't get a Glendale, Bob, get a Reinhardt is what I'm telling you. I got you. I so. appreciate that. I mean, three months is not good. I've got I've got I, I personally have a couple bag targets that I absolutely love. They're the those yellow ones. Is it uh, Mor- Morel? Morel. I don't know. Yeah. Morel, yeah. And I have I've had those sit out for same thing, two winners and no issues. I actually. They have to keep, you know, kind of using uh, permanent marker to put more dots and circles and stuff on it because it's just all wore out, but they're still holding strong. Yeah. So. Yep. The bag target that I used was really good. Now, however, I use day six arrows and on the front of them, they have the outsert and the outsert catches on that, that nylon, um, that nylon uh, webbing that holds everything in. That has all right. the print on it, so I it's it was hard for arrow removal, so I I, I just stopped using it. Now it would probably work way better on an arrow that a field point that didn't have a uh, an outsert on it, or it probably like an insert would work. But I had these outserts, and they just they would catch, and it took forever to get the arrows out, and so I eventually just stopped using them and went to the foam. Gotcha. So I've got, 
I've got a good Christmas gift idea, not to cut you off nope, or steal your it. turn, but a backup release. Backup release. And Bob, uh, why would a guy, Bob, <laughs> Bob, why oh. would a guy need a backup release? Well, <laughs> I had a backup release with me, but uh, yeah, my release failed on me as I was drawing at 19 yards on the biggest buck that I have ever tried to kill. That pissed so, me off. You can go to uh, you can go to the uh, Hybrid Outdoors Facebook or Instagram page and look back a couple posts, and you will see a two minute video of a very nice eight point buck coming in and uh, uh, ultimate failure of trying to draw back on them. That sucks, man. It really does suck when a product costs cost you a deer. Now let me ask you. On on this release, what happened to where it broke? So, saying that it broke is not exactly accurate. It there is a set screw on it, a very tiny set screw, and I mean, it's a little Allen screw, and it adjusts like the the closing tension of it. And I've had this release for two years, and it's the same release that I had been using. Um, you know, since like 2012 and I bought a new one in 2018 and the one from 2012 is my backup. That's always in my bag. And then, um, so yeah, I've, it's only, you know, this one's only two years old. That other one's eight years old and still works fine. But, uh, it's just the, the set screw just over, you know, carrying it around, shooting, whatever. It slowly worked its way out. It unscrewed just, it had to bend a microscopic turn yeah. to where it would not hold more than one or two pounds of pressure. And I mean, two days before this, I had, I had flung a couple of arrows the day before that I had gotten into my tree stand and drawn back to make sure, you know, my elbow was clear of the tree I'm sitting in and my bow is clear of any branches. So it just was, it just slowly over time, worked its way out and yeah so it's not a complete product failure but the fact that that tension screw even moved at all is unacceptable yeah man and it what really what really is frustrating because it's not necessarily the company's fault right i'm sure that right out of the package it came in the first couple years you use that release man it was money no problems but now we're starting to get years and years of wear and tear and abuse on it and it's just you know it's not the same item that came in the package and it's not like it's not like the company or the product because believe it or not all products have expiration dates on them at some point right so yes it sucks that that happened but it's like you just don't think about adjusting a set screw on a on a release when you're going through your gear prep for the year. You know what I mean? Right. It's not, it's really not the, it's not the company's fault. I've tried to figure out if it's my fault for not being more, um, attentive to detail with that set screw. I think that's a little overkill on myself, but it's, it's just one of those, it's borderline like a freak accident that I think was, it's really nobody's fault, but boy, am I still pretty sour about it. Yeah. All right, Bob, I got to ask you a question because I know you are a 
Sitka guy. And I used to be a Sitka guy. But then I'm also a guy who likes to save money. Okay, because me and you both know that Sitka is expensive. Some of this other, you know, branded camo, you know, let's say Kuyu, uh, First Light. Some of this stuff can, can be pretty expensive. What if I told you that you could still have the same comfort and the same uh, ability, but you could, like, you didn't have to use a, a hunting branded camo per se would and it was going to cost you way less would you be interested in that absolutely yeah so my next it's not necessarily a gift it's a gift of knowledge i guess you could say is this year i made it a point to wear as little branded camo as possible right so this year the only camo that i wore that or I would say Sitka or First Light. It was either Sitka or it was First Light. And it was my top ba- or my base layers. It was either a Sitka core uh, lightweight base layer. It was either the First Light hoodie uh, base layer. And that's that was a merino wool. Or a, uh, what was the other one that I wore? The... Uh, there's like a, a mid a Sitka midweight merino that I used. And that was the only like my base layers were the only thing. Other than that, I wore solid colors and I wore um like an LL Bean. I think I talked about this already in one of the podcasts where we, you know, we talked about the review of, you know, the gear that we liked you know, out west. And I wore this LL Bean wool sweater. Uh, throughout the whole my whole trip I or my whole rut I wore what else did I wear I wore a Eddie Bauer um, insulated jack like a you know Sitka has them uh, First Light has them a puffy jacket basically and it worked phenomenal I wore a Carhartt stocking cap I wore Mechanics gloves I wore Shields branded thermal long johns uh, or base layer. And then I wore um, a, a pair of almost Dickie-like tan colors along with, you know, my my wool socks and my boots. And I, and I had, and I, if you, if you compared what I wore right there with what I wore, if it was all Sitka or all First Light or all one brand, you're talking about $500 difference, if not more. If oh, not more, I would say more. Yeah, got to be more. Yeah. So yeah. what what I what I want to do is challenge all of the listeners out there to really look at. I'm just going to use this as an example. LL Bean. Look at LL Bean. Look at some some of these uh, uh, some of these. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of what the uh, website. It's like Steep and Cheap or um, Backcountry. Uh, or some of these other hiking or not necessarily hunted branded camo because I don't care what people say. If it is a niche market, a niche product like Sitka, they are charging you more because it is a hunting, quote-unquote, hunting brand when you can find the same exact product. And I'm not going to say same exact, 
but a very, very similar product for way cheaper from a brand that is not necessarily marketing directly to the hunting community, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I, I'll throw out another site, Sierra Sierra Trading Post. Yes. Probably another good one yeah, to look that's at. A good one. That's a good one. Yeah. So I wore, and you, I'm sure you had this problem too, but I wore my Sitka uh, fleece pants for one hunt this year. And I took them off and threw them in the corner because they collect so much beggar's lice and so much like thorns and everything like that, that I just, I, they're not even fun to wear anymore because you can't, you can't even clean them really. You bird got, paw. Yeah. You bird got, paw, bro. You got to get the bird pro, paw. Dude, that bird paw, that there's a stocking stuffer, birdpaw.com. Okay. That thing was, that was the best, that was the best part of my entire hunting season was yeah. having the bird paw glove and I could honestly just wipe my pants clean, wipe my jacket clean, and it was 20 to 30 seconds. Okay. Um, and you're talking all burrs, all burrs gone. Right. Though I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't want to say an engineer, but practice, you know, efficiency. I don't even want to have to do that. I want to have my pants not collect that shit. So I, I want a pair of pants that doesn't collect it. So I, that's why I used those Dickies this year or Dicky, they were a Dicky like material, you know, like a, a, almost like a strong, uh, you know, thick denim and they're, uh, they're built to take an, take abuse and nothing, nothing had, you know, nothing went through them. So the only thing I really had to do was put on a, you know, a base layer underneath of neath of them and they were pretty windproof they were they kept me warm uh and i i don't have you know i have no complaints about it i just that fleece man it just pisses me off i know you have to you know take extra steps and i know why they do it because they say hey man it's really quiet it's really quiet i don't know I've never, I've never been in a scenario, Bob, where I've drawn back and my clothes have been so loud that it's cost me a deer. Have you ever had that? No, no, no. So what I, I guess the whole, the whole, um, the whole moral of me ranting here is go out and do some research on some of these non hunting brand, these camel brands. And I swear you will. Um, find some things that you can use in your gear from war really warm weather all the way to really cold weather that are affordable and they will do the exact same thing as what the Sitka, the First Light, the Kuyus do. And maybe not when I, I'm going to put an asterisk on that because maybe not in some really remote backcountry hunt where you're gone for seven to 10 days away from civilization. But man, I was hunting with what I just mentioned to you on a, you know, I slept out of a tent for three nights in South Dakota and I was perfectly comfortable in all of that stuff down, you know, 25 in the morning and up to some days it was 70 in the afternoon. And I felt really comfortable in all that, in what I just mentioned to you. So I don't know. I'm just challenging everybody to do your research because I am a, I am a, um, 
in my opinion, is that the camo is somewhat maybe important. I don't know. I really haven't done a, you know, I have don't have any final thoughts on that yet, but it's not so important that you need to have a popular brand, you know, like Sika or First Light. You can look at those and know, hey, that's a that's a First Light camo pattern or that's a Sitka camo pattern or that's a real tree. I don't think any of that really matters in the grand scheme of things. Right. I would, I would agree with you. I think camo might matter more for like your spot and stock type hunting, um, like elk or something like that. But it's, I think even that you yeah. can get away with like just neutral colored solids. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards these days is exactly what you said. Neutral color solids, uh, forest greens, tans, browns, um, you know, like old grass colors, tree bark colors, just solid colors. And man, I'll tell you this, I didn't, I wore all solids this year in Michigan. I wore all solids this year in, um, Iowa. And I noticed I had a, I would say I, I didn't notice any different of deer busting me. So take that how you want to take that. Gotcha. So rant over Bob. Rant over. What's next, man, for you? Anything uh, Anything special? Not really. I don't know. Maybe an archery coach, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> archery lessons. Oh, man. You know, how, to, how to not break down when big bucks are in front of you. Yeah. So That's a I don't one. know. Uh, no, I, I, I'm always going to, like, for, like, a good, like, stocking stuffer, I'm always a big fan of uh, – like bow arms and screw and steps. Um, another good, easy product is like the, uh, if you have an iPhone, um, like the SD card reader specifically made for like the Apple version of it. It's a, it's definitely better than the off brand ones. I've, I've come to find out. Um, yeah, class, if you're going to run a lot of trail cameras, your class D or it's not class D class 10 SD cards and, uh, asking for things like lithium batteries, all that, all that stuff yeah. that adds up during the season or during, you know, scouting season, stuff like that. I usually ask for a lot of that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So. It's, it's equally as important, right? Obviously lithium batteries are the best batteries to run in a trail camera. Oh, and by the way, uh, kind of looping back around to, to what you said about some of your SD cards, not working in an Exodus trail camera. Did you know, that there are trail cameras out there that once an SD um, in their coding or whatever, once an SD card is formatted on that camera, that SD card will never work on any other camera except that brand's camera. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I run a lot of Browning Strikeforce cameras, and that's my number one issue. I literally have SD cards where I have scratched into them BRN so yeah. I know to only use those with a Browning trail camera. Yeah. And that so, sucks and because I I, that's coding that, that coding is there on purpose, which sucks, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if Browning is, is the company that, you know, does that on purpose or not, or if it's just like, uh, 
consequence of you know it's something with going on with their camera but i have noticed that it's it's only with my browning cameras that that happens yeah so um what else man i i got one more i think i think this is going to be my last one and it's just something pretty simple you know obviously like you said the batteries the sd cards the screw-in hooks um all the little little things that uh kind of all add up is things that I definitely uh, buy a lot of every year. But, and I know you made fun of me for, for this the last time, but I got to invest. I, I want a new water filtration system for the back country. And uh, I think I'm going to have to go with those Nalgene bags or wh- whatever you, what, what are they called? Uh, they're just like the Sawyer. I don't know. I don't know what you call them either. Yeah. They're just the filtration bags. Yeah. So you fill it up and then you squeeze it through the filter into your water uh, container or your, yeah. your bladder or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I need, oh. uh, I need one of those because my MSR exploded on me and I had to hike all the way back to camp to get water and it kind of pissed me off. So there's that. Or, or I had to use a, a tablet, uh, a chlorine tablet and the water just tastes funky after that. And I don't like that. Yeah. So, yeah. La- anything anything else that you are thinking about i mean obviously guys like me and you i know we're gear nuts so we could sit here and break down two or three hours of all the shit that we want but uh <laughs> but i guess we, yeah. we got to cap it at some point so last one bob anything else that you you want or how about this your wife is a hunter is there any hunting gear or product that maybe she has suggested or that you might get her before the next season or for Christmas. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna believe this, but she asked me to buy her a saddle. What? A tree saddle. What? Yeah. Yeah. Is she cheating I on mean, you, dude? Is she cheating right. on you, Bob? <laughs> dude, honestly, her when she asked for it, the reason was so she's got enough points to dry to, to uh, draw Iowa next year. Yeah. And I obviously, I mean, I hunted Iowa this year, so I can't, I can't hunt with her, but I'm going to go with her and probably just film her. And she was like, well, instead of you always having to hang two tree stands, why don't you just get me a saddle and I'll hunt out of the saddle and then you can sit above me in the hang on and film me. And so that she's like, that way you only have to hang one tree stand. So, I mean, Bless her for thinking of me, but I was like, "Really? You want you want you want a tree saddle for Christmas?" <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I was like, "I don't even know how to use them, so I have no idea how to coach you on them." But whatever, yeah. you can figure it out on your own, you're a smart girl. But yeah, it's uh, so yeah, maybe a tree saddle. I have no idea. I don't. I don't even want to bring myself to like doing all, all the research on a tree saddle. I don't have anything against them really. Um, I just love hunting on a lone wolf tree stands. Honestly, yeah. I like the comfort. Um, and I've got buddies that hunt out of the saddle. I just don't, I get it. But at the same time, I'm a young, strong man. It's not that hard to carry a tree stand in. Yeah. And it's not, it's not, I don't feel like it's loud or anything. And you still got to climb the tree. Yeah. If you didn't, if I didn't have to climb the tree, I would get it. But you still got to, I think climbing the tree is way worse than anything else. Yeah, so. I, I got a guy, I know a guy who, um, he hunts, he hunts from a saddle, but 
he doesn't use sticks or screwing steps or anything like that. He uses some kind of rope system. I don't know what it's called, but he climbs a rope up in the tree and then hangs from that. It's crazy. Like, so hmm. he's carrying instead of a set of sticks or, you know, um, man, what, some of those strap on steps that they have on, on to the trees. Yeah. He's, yep. he's wearing his saddle in and then he ends up putting, uh, uh, this rope in the tree and it all comes in like the size of a baseball cap. Like that's how, yeah. that's how much gear he's taken with him. And, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy to see. I'm supposed to go out into this, uh, some public ground and watch him do it one day just to, you know, to see. But like you said, man, I I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm really comfortable and really efficient with my lone wolf. And I don't know. I just don't see myself changing right now. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I've, I've, I've thought many times about trying out a saddle just to see what it's like. But uh, and I've got a buddy that was adamant about saddles and how they're great. And he's like, dude, he's like, there's still at least 50% of the time that a tree stand makes more sense. Like a hang on makes more sense. And um, yeah, I think also don't you need like knee pads? I don't know if you're going to saddle. Some people do. Some people wear knee pads right. and mouth guards and um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what they wear. <laughs> right. Well, no, Bob, man, thanks for uh, hopping on today. I'm sure, you know, we're going to have more uh, products on our Christmas list or our want list before the hunting season. And next year, I know this year's not over yet, but uh I don't know, man. Good luck uh, the rest of the season. And for everybody who's currently listening to this, if you want to hear Bob's recap on Iowa, it's like a, a recap slash we're not done yet episode. Uh, head on over to the Nine Finger Chronicles next week, and we're going to uh, we're gonna do that. So, Bob, thanks, man. Have a good one, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Dan, and uh, happy holidays to all the listeners. <laughs>